Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Good evening. It is Wednesday evening, May the 3rd, 2023. Where has this year gone? It's almost halfway over already. Welcome to another installment of Revelation. If you can't tell, I love talking about Revelation. I love teaching it. I like debating it, sometimes arguing about it. There is one topic I do not enjoy talking about, though, and that's the topic we're going to discuss tonight. Several questions and comments have been made over the past couple of three weeks concerning the date that the book of Revelation was written. I skipped this part in Lesson 2 because of some time constraints. I, uh, I mentioned one or two arguments pro and con concerning the date. But I skipped it, and I enjoyed skipping it, but now it has come back to me. So we'll, we'll cover this topic tonight. What we're going to do is we're going to look at the two primary dates of, of when people claim that Revelation was written, 68 A.D. and 95 A.D. Some people say 96 A.D. 96 AD. I'm going to combine those two together and just say 95 I'm going to do this in a debate format. We're going to have, come on, here we go. We'll have our resolve statement, then we'll have our affirmative, and then we'll have our rebuttal. There's going to be, I don't know, five, six, seven affirmatives for 95 AD, and there's going to be, I, I forgot how many, maybe 10 for 68 AD. Yes, sir. Would you like me to? (laughs) Which, by the way, when I use the word you, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about my imaginary opponent over here. You can come up here and stand the whole time if you'd like. Okay, that, that works. Then I have somebody to yell at, right? But that's what we'll do. We'll have our, boy, those colors don't show up very good, do they? The affirmative will be in a light green background. The rebuttal will be in in a light red background, and the resolved will be in a black background. Any questions? Okay, here we go. This this may take, this is going to take the entire time tonight because there's 60 slides, and we'll probably go into some of next week with it as well. So let's start with the 95 AD cipher, shall we? Now, if I pick on your favorite argument, please don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. I, pu- I got these, these affirmatives and rebuttals from the Internet, from forums, from pro and con websites. I just scurried the, as, mu- as many websites and links as I possibly could trying to find all the pros and cons to put in this. In this. So if I, uh, if I get on to your favorite argument, 
I'm not picking on you. I don't know your favorite argument, so we're good there, okay? So let's get started. Resolved. The book of Revelation was written in 95 A.D. Affirmative number one, Irenaeus. Irenaeus lived between 120 A.D. and 200 A.D. He wrote in his book Against Heresies, book 5, chapter 3, 30, verse 3. He said, We will not, however, incur the risk of pronouncing positively as to the name of the Antichrist, that's the 666 beast. For if it were necessary that his name should be distinctly revealed in this present time, it would have been announced by him who beheld the apocalyptic vision. For it was seen not long since, but almost in our day, towards the end of Domitian's reign. Affirmative number one for, 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 90, for 95 AD is the fact that, not, that Irenaeus himself said that the vision was seen towards the end of Domitian's reign. So obviously 95 AD is a close proximity as to the time that Revelation was written based upon Irenaeus' statement. Rebuttal. For it was seen not long time since, but almost in our day, towards the end of Domitian's reign. If you look at that word it, it is a third person singular pronoun. It can mean he or she or it. Now, 95 ADers are going to habitually, I'm sorry, my imaginary friend, I'm yelling at him, you 95 ADers are habitually going to interpret Irenaeus with the word it, of course. It could also mean he or she. Let's illustrate this with a question, with a multiple choice question. If Christians needed to know the precise identity, the name of 666, the beast, John could have easily made it clear to us in person because A, John saw the vision towards the end of Domitian's reign, or or B, because John was actually seen toward the end of Domitian's reign. Which answer makes the most sense? Well, obviously it's B. Yes, sir. Oh, I thought you were raising your hand. Okay. He was giving me the sign for B. You're right, B. John seeing the vision at the end of Domitian's reign would not have made it possible for him to easily make it clear to us who this person is. The fact that John was seen, that does make it possible for him to actually tell us who 666 represents. Irenaeus, against against heresies, book 5, chapter 30, verse 3, says that John was seen at the end of Domitian's reign, clearly. Eusebius said that that John did leave Patmos at the death of Domitian in order to carry on more ministry in Asia Minor. He also quotes Irenaeus, apparently, in saying that all the clergy in Asia actually came in contact with John, which is completely consistent with Revelation chapter 10. He, instead of it, is clearly more consistent with history and more consistent with Revelation than saying it. It just totally, totally goes out of context of this particular, of this particular paragraph. I apologize that my color, my background colors aren't showing up very well. Okay. Affirmative number two. 
Jerome, who lived 347 to 420 A.D., in the lives of illustrious men, paragraph 9, entitled John the Apostle, wrote this. In the 14th year, then after Nero, Domitian, having raised a second persecution, he, John, was banished to the island of Patmos and wrote the Apocalypse, on which Justin Martyr and Irenaeus afterward wrote commentaries. But Domitian, having been put to death and his acts on account of his excessive cruelty, having been annulled by the Senate, he, John, returned to Ephesus under Pertinax and continuing there until the time of Emperor Trajan. He founded and built churches throughout all Asia and, worn out by old age, died in the 68th year of our Lord's Passion and was buried in the same day, in the same city. So clearly... John got off the island at, when Domitian died. He went, just like Revelation 10 said, he went into a ministry. Everyone saw him. Clearly that is enough to support a 95 AD. Rebuttal. This statement is ambiguous at best. In the 14th year then after Nero... Domitian, having raised a second persecution, he, John, was banished to the island of Patmos. After Nero, what? Are we sure about that, though? Because this could be read a different way. If you look at Domitian having raised a second persecution, the topic of this sentence is raising a wave of persecution. So if we stick that phrase, that topic, into this sentence after Nero, it would read like this. In the 14th year then, after Nero raised a first persecution, Domitian having raised a second persecution, he, John, also banished to the island of Patmos. So are we counting 14 years after Nero raised the first persecution, or are we counting 14 years after Nero died? It's not clear. If we're counting 14 years after Nero raised his first persecution, then that would put John on the island of Patmos as early as 69 A.D. So the writing of the book of Revelation could be anywhere from 69 A.D. to 96 A.D. If you're counting 14 years after Nero died, then you're putting, you're putting John on Patmos beginning at 81 AD, which gives you a range of 81 AD to 96 AD. So this argument concerning Jerome does not necessitate, it doesn't even imply 95 AD is even correct. How many persecution did what? One, I suppose. But don't forget, don't forget, Vespasian was Domitian's father. And in his... He could have raised a thousand. I don't know if it really, really mattered. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, just a second. Jerome... Okay, this comes comes out later. I should have stuck it in here, shouldn't I have? 
we have historical writings saying that, that Nero did indeed initiate a wave of persecution. We also have it that Domitian also initiated a wave of persecution. I would find it kind of hard to, hard to believe that Domitian would, would start one, then stop, then start one, then stop, then start one, then stop. If he started one, he's going to do it for as long as he possibly can. Yes, sir. We, we, that is a good question. We don't have any evidence as to what the time period of any of this is. But yet the 95 ADers will say, oh, clearly it's the mission, it's the mission doing it, so obviously it's 95 AD. Not necessarily. It could have been written as early as 81 AD. We don't have any indication. Historians actually say we can't even prove that John was actually on Patmos in the first place. They definitely cannot prove any date that he was on there because there are no historical archives from Rome documenting him being there. And there's no, no archaeological evidence indicating that he was there or when he was there. So yeah, that's a valid point. The, the point is, we don't know. But yet these arguments are using to push one date or the other. And that's not right. Affirmative number three. In the book called Concerning John the Apostle and the Revelation on Patmos, book three, I guess that's chapter three, verse verse 23, or chapter three, paragraph 23. Anyway, um, Eusebius himself said, yes, John left Patmos upon the death of Domitian. And with the historical evidence from Rome saying that the next emperor always released the political prisoners of the previous Caesar means that Domitian was the one that put John on Patmos, and that does mean a later date. And that is used to push 95 AD. The rebuttal? No, it doesn't. It doesn't necessitate a 95 AD. A later date does not automatically force a 95 AD date. The date could have been anywhere from 81 to 96. And based upon what Jerome said, it could have been as early as 69 AD to 95 AD. It's a very wide range. So the logic is is nonsensical. I don't like this one. This one, this one, this one makes me mad. I'll be honest with you. Most modern day scholars agree that Revelation was written in 95 AD. And remember, remember what I told you Revelation scholars actually means? It means expert. The self-appointed experts who wrote a book and they're selling it on Amazon.com for 83 bucks. That's the one I kept running into for some reason. Most modern-day scholars agree. Well, no, they don't. That's subjective at best. Many scholars do not agree with the 95 AD date. In fact, invoking this, this claim that most scholars agree, it's pretty much a desperate attempt to prop up a date that cannot be It cannot be proven in standing on its own merit. 
So that's a, that's a, that's, that's a nonsensical argument, period. Now, I'm not claiming any of, these, any of these make sense, okay? You know that, okay? And I didn't make them up. They're already out there. I'm not the one saying them. I'm not saying any of them make sense. In fact, we'll get to some that are totally nonsensical. This one gets close. Affirmative number five, Laodicea's wealth. In 60 AD, Laodicea was destroyed by an earthquake. 68 AD, there probably was not even a church in Laodicea because it would take him much longer than eight years to rebuild the city of Laodicea back to affluence and wealth. And probably take even longer than that to get the church all back together as well and into a, into a new building. Ray Vander Line from that the world may know.com has this, has an article that says this. He said the leading city in the valley during the first century, Laodicea, was destroyed by an earthquake in AD 60. According to Roman writer Tacitus, Rome offered to pay for the city to be rebuilt, but the people declined, saying they were wealthy enough to restore their own city. So where's the poverty? If they're so poor and it takes them more than eight years to rebuild, where's the poverty? They didn't even want Rome's help. They didn't want Rome's money. They wanted Rome to stay out of it. Where is the proof that the church in Laodicea did not exist in 68 AD? The Um, if you look at chapter 2, what, what, is it chapter 2 or chapter two, 3 that have Laod- has Laodicea in it? You will find that there is, a, there is a statement in there. We need to hit that topic one of these days. There is a statement in there where, where God is quoting them as saying that you say you have need of nothing. So apparently the church was wealthy. Church members were wealthy based upon that statement. The church existed, whether there's a building there or not. I think about the church in Ukraine. I don't think, I suspect they probably aren't meeting in their church building, but the church still exists. They're just not. Yeah, the people are somewhere. The church is somewhere. It just may not be at the address they used to be at. So this idea that that an earthquake destroying Laodicea and not being there in 68 AD, that's nonsense. Nero's persecution, here's one that it really doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm going to mention it anyway because it's out there, just so you can be aware of it. Nero's persecution... Affirmative number six says that Nero's persecution was confined mainly to Rome. It did not involve the Asian minor churches. The rebuttal is, how do you determine that? How do you prove that? Because a Caesar sets the environment for the entire empire. Trajan and Hadrian actually proved that. Excuse me, I'm going to cough here in a second. <clears throat> the persecution could easily be duplicated 
If Nero wants to start it in Rome, it can easily be duplicated other places through middle management. I believe that was a phrase used once in one of our classes. In fact, chapter 13 proves that the persecution of the first century church was done by proxy. Do you remember that? It says that the, the Christians were limited on their buying and selling. They were boycotted. If they owned businesses, they were boycotted by Rome. Businesses that did business with the Christians were also targeted by Rome as well. So Rome was doing this not, not with soldiers everywhere, but by proxy as well through fear. So the idea that Nero's persecution was at Rome, that, 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 that's irrelevant. Whether it was or was not, it has nothing to do with the date of Revelation. Okay, let's get to 68 A.D. 68 A.D. Resolved. The book of Revelation was written in 68 A.D. Affirmative number one. We go back to Irenaeus' statement. We will not, however, incur the risk of pronouncing positively as to the name of the Antichrist, for it will... For if it were necessary that his name should be distinctly revealed in this present time, it would have been announced by him who beheld the apocalyptic version, vision. Now, this is an affirmative for 68 A.D., okay? Not, not 95 A.D. So for 68 A.D., I will say the word he, not it. For he was seen not very long time since, but, after, but almost in our day towards the end of the mission's reign. Irenaeus lived in Rome, and he commented on Ephesus, which was some 835, 32 miles away. And he was commenting on events that occurred decades before he was even alive. So how can we trust what Irenaeus is saying at that distance and that, that, that time difference? And how can we expect Irenaeus to be accurate in his timeline when he claims that Jesus lived to be between 45 and 50 years old? Clearly, clearly Irenaeus' timeline and his perspective of the timeline of history is confused and cannot be trusted. Rebuttal. Distance does not determine historical accuracy. And concerning the error in Jesus' age, if Irenaeus did make one mistake, it does not mean you throw out everything he said. <coughs> but we're about to discover what he said was not an error on his part. It was not an error on his timeline. It was an error in his calculation. Augustus, Augustus Caesar, who eventually became Augustus Caesar, he was named the principal heir of Julius Caesar in 43 AD 43 BC he became part of a tribunal type uh, government over over Rome he was he became a high ranking judicial judge with broad military powers in fact he used that judicial power in, in military might to kill half of the senate and kill all the rest of his uh, political enemies and therefore he became emperor that was 43 A.D. 27 A.D., he was officially named by what senate was left to be the Caesar of Rome. Now, we do know that Jesus was born in the 28th year of Augustus' reign. Which reign? 
Where do you count from? Was it the rain when he was a, you know, on that tribunal-type type government? Or was it after he became Caesar? Irenaeus took it literally. He said 28 years from the beginning of, of Augustus' reign, he counted it from 43 A.D. Traditionally, we count it from 27 A.D., 43 B.C., I'm sorry. Traditionally, we count it from 27 B.C. You take 27, take 27, subtract it from 43, what do you get? You get 15. There's your 15-year discrepancy. It wasn't that his timeline was wrong. It's that he started the counting literally when Augustus came to power, not when Augustus was named Caesar. But even so, that has nothing to do with the date of the book of Revelation. So why do the 68 ers even bring this up? They're trying, they're trying to say that nothing Irenaeus says is to be believed. And clearly, based upon this understanding, clearly Irenaeus can still be believed in what he says historically. Affirmative number two, the Syriac Bible Commentary. This is a strange one. On the title page of the book of Revelation in the Syriac Bible, by the way, the Syriac Bible is a Western Aramaic dialect version of the Bible. On the title page it says this, Again, the revelation which was upon the holy John the Evangelist from God when he was on the island of Patmos where he was thrown by the Emperor Nero. So clearly, Emperor Nero, according to these commentators, is the one who put John on Patmos. Well, that's interesting because this Syriac Bible commentators are 4th century commentators. Irenaeus had direct access to eyewitnesses of John the Apostle. Who are you going to believe? Someone who had direct access to the eyewitnesses of John and was contemporaries with them? Or some Bible commentator from the 4th century? Whose writings are more reliable? I would say Irenaeus. Affirmative number three. This one's confusing. The Jewish persecution. The Jewish persecution of the Christians could only, could only occur before the fall of Jerusalem because after the fall of Jerusalem, the Jewish nation would have been too weak to persecute the Christians. The rebuttal is the villain of the book of Revelation is Rome, not the Jews. We actually covered that last week. We had two, two slides full of characteristics of the harlot from chapter 17. And the only, the only solution that satisfied every single one of those criteria was Rome, not Jews. When we get into chapter 18, we'll see that even, even more. So, why even bring the Jews into it? But we do it again. Affirmative number four, the Judaizing heretics in the church. In, a, in an article from a, a church called Sound of Heaven Church, soh.church, they have this um, 
they have this strange article, and it says, it says this in one paragraph. It says, the issue of the Judaizing heretics in the church, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, is emphasized in the letters to the seven churches of Asia in the book of Revelation. This tells us something about the dating of the letter because the Judaizing heretics lost a great deal of influence after Paul's letters were being circulated. Also, it makes a lot of sense that the heresy would have been a much smaller issue after so many Jews were slaughtered in 70 AD. Only an early date of authorship allows for heretics to be a significant problem. And there they quote Joseph, it says 1.1 million Jews died in the Jewish-Roman War between 66 and 70 AD. So basically what he's saying is, it had to have been written before the destruction of Jerusalem because there weren't enough Jews after the destruction of Jerusalem to persecute the church. We've already discussed the fact that the harlot mentioned in chapter 17 has to be Rome because Rome is the only entity in the first century that can, that can satisfy all those criteria that we went through. But a rebuttal for this would be, it makes a lot of sense, really. That's quite subjective with no evidence. In fact, the Nicolaitans, that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, was found by Nicholas, who was of the church of Antioch. The Nicolaitans were centered in Asia Minor and were not involved in the destruction of Jerusalem. So they were there regardless what happened to Jerusalem. The problem was specific to Ephesus and Pergamum. So why even bring this up also, there were lots of isms even after the destruction of Jerusalem that gave the, that gave the Christians a tough time. Here's one, two, three, four, five. Here's seven of them. Gnosticism from the second century, Gnosticism from the second century, Pelagianism from the fifth, fifth century, Montanism from the second century, Sabellianism, sorry, Troy, from the third century, Adoptionism from the first century, and Arianism from the third century. There's plenty of isms to go after the Christians well after the destruction of Jerusalem. So the destruction of Jerusalem has nothing to do with the Jews persecuting the church. Affirmative number five for 68 AD. Revelation chapter 11 verse 1 says, And there was given to me a reed likened to a rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. John was told to, to, to measure the temple. Couldn't quite measure the temple if it's already destroyed, right? Therefore, Revelation must have been written at an early date. The rebuttal. Well, even 68 years believed John was on the island of Patmos, so how is John going to leave Patmos and go to Jerusalem to measure the temple? He couldn't see Jerusalem. He couldn't reach Jerusalem. The, uh, being a literal temple to be measured is nonsense. We actually have a we actually have another situation in Scripture where someone is told to measure a temple that does not exist. Ezekiel chapter forty-one, verse thirteen. Ezekiel was told to measure a temple that did not exist. Clearly, he was not transported into the future. Obviously, it was symbolic, just like it's symbolic in the book of Revelation.
Affirmative number six, John must prophesy again. Here's one of those that really doesn't make sense, but yet again, it's out there, so you need to be aware of it. Revelation chapter 10, verse 11. And he says to, to me, you must prophesy to the peoples and to the tongues and to the nations and to many kings. John was told that he, was, he must prophesy again once he got off the book of once he got off the island of Patmos, and we know from historians that that is indeed what happened. But John would have been too weak. He would have been too old to do that type of work after Domitian's reign. He would have been what? Pretty close to 100 years old, maybe. Therefore, this has to be an earlier date. It can't be 95 AD. It has to be 68 AD. Otherwise, John would have been too weak to prophesy again, to, to continue a ministry in Asia Minor. The rebuttal, Eusebius himself said, John left Patmos on the death of, of Domitian. He lived into the reign of Trajan, and he quotes Irenaeus as saying that all the clergy of Asia came in contact with him. You had a lot of eyewitnesses to John the Apostle after he got off of Patmos at the end of Domitian's reign. So contextually, yes, this, this did take place after John left Patmos. Was John capable of continuing his Asia ministry after Domitian? Apparently so. If he was weak, do you not think God could have made up the difference? Affirmative number seven. Things must shortly, these things must shortly come to pass. This one, I don't, I don't really understand it well. I mean, I may misrepresent it. Forgive me if I do, but I, I don't understand this one. But anyway, Revelation chapter one, verse one. Chapter 1, verse 3, chapter 22, verse 10 says that these things must shortly come to pass. They're at hand. They are about to happen. The events of Revelation are going to occur soon. And since no event past the year two, in the past 2,000 years are associated with Revelation, except for the destruction of Jerusalem, then obviously Revelation had to have been written at an early date. The rebuttal... The rebuttal sounds a little sarcastic, so pardon me if it does, but uh, it's the rebuttal that's out there, so I'll go ahead and say it. This is the first time it, from, since Genesis that we actually claim to know God's timeline. The, the word soon means two years, according to 68 ADers. Why do we not understand, why do we not know God's timeline ahead of time? Until we get to Revelation? That is a good question. Yeah, I told you this doesn't make much sense to me, so I'm having to read my notes again. Um, this phrase, must shortly come to pass, does not define any timeline. It doesn't matter what book of the Bible it's in. The forbidden, the, the forbidden zone, the, the, the title I affectionately refer to as chapter 6 through 20. Oh, is routinely ignored. The 68 ADers, my, my, my learned colleague over here staying beside me, he ignores 6, six through 20 
to get the definition of what the tribulation is and to try to figure out some type of timeline. He will stay in chapter 1, verse 1, read one sentence and apply the timeline and definition of tribulation for the entire book of Revelation without reading a single word from chapter 6 through 20. It also becomes a circular definition. Um, Let's keep going. Okay. Lots of things in Revelation which can possibly come to pass. Which one are you talking about? I was looking for a particular one that talks about the circular definition. Okay. Must be an early date because these things must shortly come to pass. Therefore, it's an early date. Therefore, the tribulation has to be the destruction of Jerusalem. And since it's the destruction of Jerusalem, then it would have to be written before 70 A.D., probably 68 A.D. And 68 A.D., then then, then tribulation must be the destruction of Jerusalem. And if it's the destruction of Jerusalem, then it must have been written before the destruction. It's a circular definition. You go round and round and round, and that little circle never ends. That affirmative really doesn't make any sense to me in the first place. But it's there. Once again, they don't have to make sense, but they are there. Affirmative number eight. Only seven churches existed when the book of Revelation was written. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Well, there's your whole slide of things. Take your pick. Lots of things are happening in the book of Revelation, so which things must shortly come to pass? And how does the word soon get applied to two years? You've got to be pushing an agenda to make that happen. You've got to be pushing the tribulation being the destruction of Jerusalem. You have to be pushing an early date, and it just becomes a circular a circular definition. Lots of things, lots of lots of Lots of things which must shortly come to pass. Which, which one are they talking about? Okay, affirmative number eight for 68 AD. Only seven churches existed. Oh boy. How do we know that? Well, it's because Revelation was only written to seven churches. Obviously, in 95 AD, there were a whole lot more churches than just seven. Therefore, it has to be an early date. Not necessarily 68 AD, maybe 54 AD or earlier. Well, there are seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. There's also a church in Rome, so there's eight. There's probably some in Jerusalem. There's nine. There's probably some lots of other places. This argument is nonsensical and it's unsubstantiated. You can't prove that. How how can you prove that there are only seven churches in existence in 68 AD? Or whenever the book of Revelation was written. You can't. You can't. We'll get to that. That, that, that's a good question. That is a good question, and we will get to that. Some apostles had to still be alive. This is another one of those that you kind of makes kind of scratch your head over. 
Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, this is talking about the church at Ephesus. It says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Someone comes to a church and they claim to be an apostle. That cannot be taken seriously unless there are apostles actually alive at that time. Therefore, Revelation had to have been written at an earlier date. Ooh, at an earlier date when apostles were still alive. The rebuttal. Since when does someone falsely claiming to be an apostle necessitate other apostles still being alive? It would actually be easier to claim that you're an apostle if no other apostles are alive to refute your claim. If you're going to claim to be an apostle, the last thing you want is an apostle walking up in the front door. Right? So that that argument is totally nonsensical. Yeah. Affirmative number 10. They also which pierced him. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall well because of, because of him. Even so, amen. The phrase... The phrase, those that, who did pierce him, does not reference the actual Rome, not only references the actual Roman soldiers who literally pierced his side, but it also refers to the people of the first century. According to this passage, they were expected to be alive when revelation was fulfilled. The fact that those who did pierce him were not alive in 96 AD because they were killed in the Roman Jewish War of 70 AD is a clear indicator that Revelation was written before 70 A.D. That's interesting. It's strange, but it's interesting. The rebuttal, and I'm running out of time. The rebuttal, this business about coming in clouds has nothing to do with the destruction of Jerusalem or the destruction of anything else. The coming of clouds, according to Revelation, Acts, and 1 Thessalonians, are reserved for the second coming of Jesus. We are told that when Jesus comes to earth, he's going to be sitting in a cloud and surrounded by clouds. Every eye and all kindreds. That sounds to me like a whole lot more people than just the Jews and the Romans. If Revelation 1-7 is fulfilled at the destruction of Jerusalem, then you've got two questions to answer. Where is the proof that Jesus returned to earth at the destruction of Jerusalem? And what is the proof that Jesus was actually seen at the destruction of Jerusalem? Clearly, this is a nonsensical argument. I think we're about to be be hit by this last bell. Um, Let me look and see how many there are left. 11, 12. Okay, there's, there's, there's two more left, but I don't think we're going to have time to, to cover them. Affirmative number 11, beast number one represents Nero. Here is wisdom. Let him who hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. The villain of Revelation is Nero. Even the 95 ADers agree to that. True. 
So clearly, Revelation was written around 68 AD in order for Nero to be the villain of Revelation. Okay? The rebuttal. That's true, 666 applies to Nero, but it also applies to Domitian. We actually covered that in one of the lessons. Nero was said by Jerome to have initiated the first wave of persecution against the church, Domitian the second wave. 666 may equal to Domitian's name, may equal to Nero's name, but 666 can also represent just evil in, in general. Whoever was persecuting the church at, at, at that time but even 666 being applied to Nero does not necessitate a particular date. You've got the problem that it also can apply to Domitian as well. Okay, I guess that'll take care of that. We'll hit the mon- Monarchian pro- prologues. I can't say that word. Mon- Monarchian prologues. We'll talk about that one next week, and then we'll get into a section of just the facts. Thank you very much. That is all. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.